Now, you may remember my next guest from the show a few years back during the daytime. 2011, Ian Lacey cycled 27,000 kilometres from Alaska to the southernmost city in the world, Argentina's Tierra del Fuego. Since then, he's written a book. I could, I could, I'm tempted to say he's finally written a book, um, Half the World Away. Because it took a bit longer now, tried the book than we were expecting. Um, telling the story, the exhibition he joins me in the studio now. Ian, how are you tonight? Fantastic. It's good to be here after uh, four years away from the studio. We used to you have know, the most fantastic updates. We surely you. did. You contacted the show from all over the world, really. Yeah, I remember there was once a call into, I think you called into a phone box somewhere in, in Canada. There was there, um, I think, scared my mother who uh, who thought I'd been attacked by bears as well I the same night. <laughs> so there was that. And then there was some close to the beach in Mexico, Peru. So you name it. I was chatting to you five or six times while I was away. The thing about your mother was funny because, I, you know, you said you'd seen a bear or there'd been a bear about or something. So I, in the classic radio way, built up the drama and not thinking that your mother is listening to it and is scared, frightened to death. That I know, I think it was something like he's, he's, gone by in, a bear. he's gone into the woods, he's having a look for bears at the minute <laughs> and she was straight on to me, but things turned out okay. There's only a couple of bear encounters and none, none too uh, problematic. Yeah. What, to remind people, why did you decide to do this? Initially, I, I wanted to do it because it was just, I, I suppose I was at the stage of my life just after graduating university. I'd moved to Colorado in the States. And it just got to the point where I said I wanted to do something before I get into the, the, the career mode, I suppose. And it just happened that I read a book by a guy called Goran Krop, who's a Swedish mountain climber. He's he passed away years ago. Um, and what he did is he cycled from Stockholm in Sweden to Mount Everest. He climbed it with the aid of bottled oxygen, which is uh, something that not many people do. It's quite dangerous. Came back down and he cycled home again. And I read that and decided I have to do something. I really do. What was it in that that was appealing to you so much? I think it was it was the human powered element of it, you know, it didn't involve motorized transport. It was all basically it was yourself getting from A to B. Now, A to B can be as long as you want, 27,000 kilometers as I, as I ended up picking. And I blame that there was a map on my bedroom wall and I could see I was trying to pick out the furthermost point I could go from the top to the bottom. And looking at that, it was Alaska to Argentina. I'm going to talk about the, that in a moment because the book has maps. I think the maps, you need to see the maps. You do kind of need to see to them. It's hard to visualise otherwise. When you see maps of, of countries they are used to seeing on an atlas and then a line going down the side of it, which is what you cycled, it really brings it home to you exactly what it was you did. Um, and you'd never had much cycling experience before this. No, I think maybe three hours. Tops was the longest that I'd been on a bicycle in any, at any one time. And that was probably Gory, where I'm from, to Wexford Town and back again. So a little bit different being landed in Alaska, way up in the wilderness, 800 kilometres from the next town. and Super duper bike? Really good bike, really good bike. Yeah, yeah I had to, had to put a bit of uh, money behind it as well. It was called a surly long haul trucker. So it was <laughs> kind of kind of built for that road actually as well, where I think they, they filmed like the ice road truckers and that kind of thing. How much was to, that as a matter of interest? Uh, it was just over a thousand, say one thousand two hundred euro. That's but, not bad but at you all. Kind, you kind of need that as well. Yeah, you I need all the right components. More than that, some people, some people, you know, spend yeah. thousands on bikes like that. But you know, th- at the end of the day, parts break, things fall off, and you've got, they've got to be replaced. And I'd prefer not have to replace something that was no. incredibly expensive. So yeah, I, I just went for that one. It was a good choice. Right, and then other things that making it more difficult for you. You became very ill before you, you did this. I did about about two months before I left. I um I had a relapse of a condition that I have, which is called ulcerative colitis, and um I think I lost about two to three stone 
before I left, the doctor said, don't go. And I, even for the condition coming back, it, it could have been a case of worry and the anxiety and the stress and, mm. and everything. You know, I was leaving my, my girlfriend. you were worried going off them, were you? I was, I was. I was quite worried. I mean, like I said, when you, when you haven't cycled a bicycle more than a couple of hours before and then you've got your life in the pannier bags from pots and pans to water and, and then sort of heading off for what could be a year, year and a half, two years. You're, um, you can be a little bit nervy until the first revolutions are made on the road and you get used to it. And But, but um, thankfully, I, I got over the condition and I, I really do think it was a mind over matter thing in the mm. end. And, you know, taking it one mile by one mile by a day by day. And That's very interesting. You wonder if you learn something that sticks with you for the rest of your life when you have to overcome a mind over matter you know, issue like that. Uh, you know, it's something that you can always go back to because I remember at the at the party we had when I got back home in, in um, October 2012, a friend of mine came up to me and he, and he said, just in passing, and I didn't really concentrate on it for too long, but he said, you know what, nothing's ever going to phase you again, I'd say. And, of course, I was meeting everyone that night and then you begin to think about these things and they sink in. So when you think you're having a bad day or a tough day, you kind of go back to the the moments such as being stuck at top of a pass in the, in, in the Andes with the rain beating down in your tent mm. and you're out of food and water and you kind of think they were the bad days. So you can get over the rest. This is a walk in the park. This is a walk in the park. <laughs> and yeah, it be. initially you had a friend with you. It was going to be the two of you doing it. But what was was that? Just you were it was just too close with somebody, or what? What was because you, he you you went off in separate directions eventually, or we how did. long did you stay together? So we we started the trip together, and it was in Seattle. We decided to split up. And the thing is, maybe some people will recognise with it as well. We, we like we never had a single fight, and I think that might have been that might have been the problem too. Sometimes you can you can keep things to yourself for too long. We were like we got on quite well. It's just that our I suppose goals for the trip had sort of diverged a little bit, you know. Um, he was out there for as long as it, it could take to get to to, Ala- or to Argentina. And for myself, I had Anya at home, my girlfriend, who I decided to leave and who were still, were still together, thankfully. Um, so those kind of things were playing on my mind and I didn't want to be away forever, but I also wanted to do justice to the Americas by seeing, that, seeing them at a pace that was right. conducive to it. So we just split, you know, after three months looking at each other every single day, waking up tent by tent. That must and have been some moment. It, well, when we had to split, it definitely was um, because you kind of think you're you're all alone now. You yeah. really are. And I remember that first day I was riding into into Washington State, and I, I, could, I remember I could I could hear the the leaves under the wheels of the bicycle and the rain that was being sort of flicked up by them as well. And usually we would have been talking, or you know I could hear Lee pedaling ahead or or behind as well. And I kind of thought I am all alone, and now. I've got to get through the Andes, I've got to get through Central America and right down to Ushuaia at the very end.